I got a story for you guys. So my homie, he goes. Bro, who Ramsan? What are, are they European? I'm like, yeah, why? He goes. The European people don't know anything about rock. I go. Bro, stop right now while you're ahead. Because you just insulted so many of the greatest rock bands ever, bro. He goes like who? I go. I gave him three that he knew for sure. There's way more, right? But I gave him three that he knew for sure. I thought you just insulted Iron Maiden, Bullet for My Valentine, and Asking Alexandria. He goes, Asking Alexandria is from Europe. I'm like, yes, they are. And I had to give him like a whole explanation of their history and stuff. And then he goes, oh, alright. Anyway, bro, that's all I got. When your homies say something that you know is completely wrong, don't worry about hurting their feelings. Just tell them the truth. Like I did with that guy. Enjoy the show, episode 20. everybody i hope everybody enjoyed their memorial day weekend i did i ate cheeseburgers and hot dogs and i'm gonna say this even though i'm gonna regret saying it later because people that listen to this and talk to me they're gonna ask me but i'm thinking about starting the mediterranean diet i'm so scared because i love stuff that's not good for me but I gotta think about my future, you know. But anyway, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna start with the result of UFC Fight Night Font versus Garbrandt. Here we go. So, dude, first of all, what I gotta say is good job, Rob Font. He was in control of the fight, the whole fight. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, Cody, something looked off with Cody. But no. I don't want to say that with that being that, oh, because Cody had a bad day. That's why Rob won. Like, these were the scorecards. 48, 47, 50, 45, and 50, 45. So, there you go. What's next for Rob? It's weird, man, because... Hold on, let me back up. So, during that fight... Cody was looking for that same shot he knocked out um, Asansa with a couple times. But he just couldn't find it. Like, Rob kept moving. Cody did good with the takedowns. If I was Cody, I would work on that a little bit more often. Like, implement the takedowns to get known for them. And then it opens up your striking. Rob just stayed on his bike and didn't stop moving. They both were tired by the end of the fight. But, dude, it was a fight. It was a good fight. So, what's next for Rob? 
If it's not title shot, it's the winner of, I mean, no, not the winner. The loser of TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen. Like, this winner, first of all, I don't understand where, why they stopped putting winners against people that, against people that just lost in their last fight that are still ranked right, higher, not right, higher. Anyway, like, the best example of this is when um, GSP lost to Matt Serra. His next fight was against Koscheck, who I believe that same night that he lost to Matt Serra, Koscheck beat Frank Trigger, somebody like that. So, I don't see why it's on the other guy that won, like, why it's a loss for him. Like, that doesn't make sense. So I believe Rob should fight the loser of Corey Sanhagen and TJ Dillashaw because without Jermaine Sterling having neck surgery, I don't know how long it's going to delay Peter Young versus Sterling because that's the next title fight. So what I think they should do, I'm not saying they're going to do this, but what they should do is the winner of Corey Sanhagen and TJ Dillashaw Fights Peter Young for an interim title. And then the winner of that goes on to fight Sterling at some point. Either late 2021. Well, not really because Corey Sanhagen and TJ Dillashaw are set to fight at the end of July. So you would have the winner of that fight Peter Young in, in November of this year. That way, the interim champion at that point would fight... Aljamain Sterling in the beginning portion of 2022. Man, I'm always a mess, bro. It's a mess. Carlos Barza versus Jan Shinian. I'll tell you one thing. Carlos Barza impressed me because she took her down like nothing and beat her down. Like, that was impressive. I didn't think that was going to happen, but it happened. Carla says she wants a title shot next. And then Joanna did an interview with the Schmo saying that she doesn't feel Carla deserves a title shot against Rose. But keep in mind that Carla has a win over Rose because they were both on the Ultimate Fighter. And that's one of the seasons that they used the strawweights to crown a champion because it was a new division. So that's how they introduced it through the Ultimate Fighter. And Carla ended up winning that season. And in the final, she fought Rose. Of course, Rose now is a completely different fighter, right? And a bunch of people are assuming that Rose would absolutely smash Carla. But if this Carla, that fight, Jan Shinian shows up, I don't know, bro. Like, that was the Carla. She shows shades of why she was champion in Invicta. Because Carla went into the Ultimate Fighter season as the number one seed because... She went in as the champion. Like, she was the uncrowned champion of that season because she went in as the Invicta champion. So, I believe Carla... Because it's funny, right? Because at the top, right now, they have... I believe it's Wei Li Zhang. I don't know who number two is. Number two is Joanna. Number three is Carla. 
and then number four is Yan Shinyan. Okay, look. If I'm Rose, I'm going. I want to fight Carla because she's the only one in the top three that I haven't beat. She decimated Yuan and Yong Jinjek, and she decimated Wei Li Yang. So, I see a clear path for Carla to get the next title shot. Like, who who else is there? They wanted to do Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez, but she didn't want it. Marina Rodriguez didn't. So, what are you going to do? I think what Marina Rodriguez wants to do, she wants to fight Joanna. That'd be a crazy fight. Like, because she's number five and Joanna's number two. But now, I would. I also see a scenario where they try to match up Joanna with Yan Shinian. Or what they could do is do Joanna versus Marina Rodriguez. And then Yan Shinian versus Mackenzie Dern. Bro, that's interesting. Mackenzie Dern's number six. And then above her are like, with the exception of Carla, who's a really good wrestler. Above her are a bunch of really good strikers. Yan Shinian, Yoana Yonji. I wonder how Mackenzie Dern would deal with the stand-up. I wonder if she would just like pull guard or just go into jiu-jitsu mode. That's interesting. She's working with Jason Perillo. Down in Newport Beach, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Amanda Hebos, my heart goes out to her. She got a second case of COVID, and I heard she's having really bad—not bad, but respiratory problems. I heard she's having respiratory problems. I don't know how severe, but my heart goes out to her. Hopefully, her and Angela Hill could run it back really, really, really soon. Damn, man, that sucks. But yeah, so I'm going to move on from that card and we're going to go to this weekend's card. Razinho Rosenstrike versus Augusto Sakai. This fight is weird, right? Because Razinho is coming off the loss to Cyril Gain and Augusto Sakai is coming off of a loss to a guy that Hazinho B and Alistar Overeem. In this fight, Kai just don't see him stopping his power. I gotta go with Rosinho Rosenstrike beating Augusto Sakai. For the simple fact that I don't see him stopping his power. Like, he was beating Overeem in the stand up, but let's be honest, Overeem, he has a Glass draw and like he he was still taking his hit and then Overeem just figured out ways to take him down and win. But with Rosinho Rosenstrike, I don't see Augusto Sakai overpowering him. He's probably bigger than him, but Rosinho has that Francis Ngannou freakish power. Even though Rosinho was feeling froggy and he called out Francis and. That fight didn't go well for him, but he still has that power. So that's an interesting fight. But if you're asking me, I'd pick Rosinho Rosenstrike. Walt Harris versus Marcin Tabora. I still have big hopes for the big ticket, bro. I understand that he's got had a few rough patches here and there, but this dude, if he can get it together, he'll be a problem.
He'll be a problem. Santiago Pontenibio versus Miguel Biza. Biza, Biza, sorry, Biza, Miguel Biza. Again, I was high on Santiago Pontenibio in his last fight, and I still am because I remember the savage he is. I just don't know if it's the ring rust that got to him or something else, but that guy's a savage, bro. So it's another fight to look out for on Saturday. Okay, we're going to go into the future now. Hold on, before we do that, I, I, I forgot to talk about the Bellator fight. So we're going to go talk about the Bellator fight. Okay. Chris Cyborg. And it's going to suck what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. Because I have no way of proving it because all these girls fight in different places. Chris Cyborg is the best female fighter on the planet right now in MMA. People are going to get mad at me. They're going to say, no, Mendes. Listen to me. Are you guys listening? Chris Cyborg is the best female MMA fighter in the world right now. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. This version of Chris Cyborg is scarier than the, the Chris Cyborg that was beating people within two minutes. This version of Chris Cyborg can go with you all night. She can fight with you on the feet, kicking game, elbows, anything you want. And then when she gets bored and like, like alright, it's time to hurt this person, she'll take them down and beat them down, bro. To me, that's way scarier than somebody that could beat me in two hits. To me, it's scarier that you can keep me in there for 25 minutes and make it a living hell for me. Chris Cyborg is the best female MMA fighter in the world today. I understand people are going to say, well, she lost to Amanda. Yes, she did. She made a lot of mistakes in that fight. One being when you got clipped, you rushed in after her. So... And then they're going to say, well, what about Kayla Harrison? The good news is, Chris said this. She said, I'll fight Kayla Harrison at 155 if you want me to. I will do that. But the thing is, this is the thing. Her contract's about to be over after this season of the PFL. Which I believe goes until the end of the year because their championship fights are on New Year's Eve. All the time. I don't know if that's the case this time, but usually the fights are on New Year's Eve all the time. So we'll see what happens. People were saying that Leslie was doing good and they're like, she didn't get smoke smoke, but like it got to the point where I'm like, dude, you're beating this girl down. And like, I guess Chris felt bad because she TKO'd her with 10 seconds left into the fight. Like, that's how dangerous Chris Cyborg is. And then, dude, the fight to make, the fight to make is Chris Cyborg versus 
Amanda Nunes. Can Dana White and Scott Coker get into a room and make this fight happen? Like, I want to know. I want to know. Can somebody tell me what's the problem? Is it that if Chris Cyborg wins, people will be like, ah, oh, the best women fighter isn't in the UFC. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? Like, is that why he won't make these crossfights with, like, Lima? And Musasi and Vasquez? Huh? Nadim Nankov? Like, people say Patricio Pitbull? Like, Dana's answer to that question is, like, who would they fight? I gave you five names right there, Dana. Why, why, why can't Alex come and fight Patricio? Why can't Jan Brakovic, if he choose to, come and fight Nadim Nenkov? Like, what's the problem? Is it that you, you, if these guys lose, you can't say they're the best? Because that is the one thing the UFC has over a lot of other organizations. If you want to fight the best, you're going to fight here in the UFC. That is... That is consensus, and for the most part, it is true. But because it's never been put to the test. Now, could it be that this one person has an off night? Yes. Or it could be that these other dudes outside the UFC. I, I sound like a broken record. I know I do. And the fact that Chandler just lost doesn't help my case. But, dude, I'm telling you, these guys outside the UFC, they know, the fighters know, the promoters know too, but it's, it's the fans that need to be educated on that type of stuff, honestly. Like, you're telling me you wouldn't want to see Diego Lima try and take out Senor Usman? I want to see that. I definitely want to see that. And it's crazy too because at one point they... Oh, no, 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 I'm wrong because I was about to say they used to train together, but Diego Lima used to train at ATT and then he made his own version of ATT down in Georgia. You're you're telling me you don't want to see Valentina Chepchenko try to take on Juliana Vasquez, who I believe is like 6th... Three six four. That's what you're telling me. You're telling me you don't want to see Kayla Harrison come and try and beat the go Amanda Nunes and then possibly go and fight the other go Chris Cyborg. Like Chris Cyborg, she made a very compelling point. She went on Ariel Hawani's podcast and said, I have four world titles. Every organization I've been in, I've been world champion. Amanda only has two. So in your mind, who's the GOAT? Now, what you're going to say is, well, Amanda only fought in the UFC. No, that's not true. She came up in Strikeforce. She was part of that Strikeforce 
got bought out and fighters dissolved into the UFC deal. Like Jorge, like Joel, like Daniel Cormier. Who else? Like Robbie Lawler, Gilbert Melendez. I can't say Chris Cyborg because Chris Cyborg ended up going to Invicta before she came to the UFC. Like, like Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz was part of that. Fighters dissolve into the UFC because of the strike force buyout. Josh Thompson. And even Anthony Pettis was a part of it when they bought out the, the WEC. Uriah Faber, Dominic, like, point is, point is, Amanda was in other organizations. Now, was it that she just never got a shot at the title? Maybe, maybe, but Chris Cyborg's point is, I have four world titles, she only has two. She beat me, yes, but we could do a rematch. That's the fight, that's the fight, like, I understand that Dana and Chris, they don't have the best relationship. I understand that. But the fight to make is Chris Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes. Unfortunately, what's going to end up happening is Chris Cyborg is going to fight Ked Zingano next. They already called it out. Ked Zingano's number three. That's her next fight. That's the fight Chris wants. I'm telling you, Chris Cyborg is going to go undefeated in Bellator. There's nobody that's going to beat her. Like who? The only one. The only one that I can see beating her. Is Kayla Harrison. But at that point like. Chris Cyborg's a black belt in jujitsu. I understand that Kayla Harrison's an Olympic judo specialist. But. I bet you Chris Cyborg knows enough on the ground to stay on the feet. And piece her up. Again, and I might be the only one that wants to see it because I don't see nobody else screaming for it. It might be just me. The fight to make is Justino Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes. My friends get mad. They're like, dude, you, you go around in circles on this thing. Because I'm trying to make the point that that's the only fight left. That's the only fight left. That's the only fight Amanda Nunes should want. Be like, okay, give me Chris Cyborg. And you know what's the messed up part? That if she says that to Dana White, because Dana White. Alright, I'm sorry. Dana White recently blocked Misha Tate from, from grappling Chris Cyborg at Chelsea and Submission Underground. It's on UFC Fight Pass. So Dana White has some say in that stuff. So. He recently blocked that grappling match from happening. That's why it's cool. That's why I say that I understand that Cyborg and Dana don't have the best of relationship. But bro, that's going to make your money. Now is it that because Scott's involved, because Showtime's involved, and you don't like Showtime, that's cool too. But Dana, for us, for us, Dana, please make this fight. Make this fight. You're the one with the power. Scott says yes. I guarantee you Scott says yes that he's willing to do it. So Dana. Scott. Please sit in the room. Make. 
Chris Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes. Please, I need this fight. I need to see if what I believe is true or if I'm full of, full of, I'm gonna say it, if, I, if I'm full of shit. I need to, I need to see it. Now when I say that, I mean, cause I am of the belief that Chris Cyborg beat herself, taking nothing away from Amanda. Amanda did what she had to do. When I say Chris beat herself, when Amanda clipped her and rocked her, instead of staying back, Chris Cyborg rushed in at her, tried to get, like, hurt her. Something very similar to what Anthony Joshua did against Andy Reese in the first fight. And then what I saw last week against Leslie Smith, if that cyborg shows up, Amanda Nunes is in trouble. Amanda Nunes is in trouble if that cyborg shows up calm, collected, composed, winning the fight easily and still went in for the finish at the end. So, again, we'll see what happens. So, they're saying she's going to fight Kedzingano. I already said that. I know. Austin Vanderford, he just won. What rank is he, my boy, Austin Vanderford? For those that don't know, Austin Vanderford is the husband of one page Vincent. He's number two. And I think John Slater is going to fight Gegard Musasi, but I'm not sure about that. He's number two. If they do end up making... Musasi versus Slater. Vanderford should, should just wait. Like he's number two at this point. You're undefeated. Let your record speak for yourself. Or fight one more time. But if I was him, I'd just wait. He's undefeated. Alright. So the ultimate fighter is coming back. Today, yeah, today. I know I said I was gonna go into the future. I'm gonna go into the future right now. I promise. But the Ultimate Fighter is coming back today. Actually, you know what? Wait a minute. No, we're gonna go into the future first because I said that's what we're gonna do. So let's go into the future. Next weekend. Next weekend is the big one, Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori, Davison Figueiredo versus Brandon Moreno, Leon Edwards versus Nathan Diaz, Damian Maya versus Bulal Muhammad, Paul Craig versus... Jamal Hill, the Jamal Hill guy is no joke. Drew Dober versus Brad Riddle. Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart. Ooh, I didn't know this fight was on here. Lauren Murphy versus Joanne Calderwood. And then Musar Iliov versus Hakeem that would do. Dang, what a card, bro. 
This card is stacked. I'm really looking forward to that Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill fight. Like that one's under the radar because I'm pretty sure people don't know who Jamal Hill is. But dude, I saw his last fight. He straight out slapped the dude in the middle of his combination. It was awesome. And then another one is Lauren Murphy versus Joanne Caldwell. I don't know how that's not headlining the prelims. That fight should headline the prelims over Drew Dober and Brad Riddle. The only reason they put Drew Dober is because that's the dude that just fought Islam. But the one that should headline the prelims is Lauren Murphy versus Joanne Calderwood. Okay, let's look at the main event. Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori. I see Israel winning for the simple fact that Marvin couldn't withstand Kevin Holland's stand-up. And I don't see him to being able to constantly take Israel down because Israel's a big guy. Like, people are going to look at the young Brakovich and be like, oh, well, he's just going to take him down and hold him. You have to understand, that was a weight class higher and Izzy didn't bulk up all the way because he didn't want to lose his speed and stuff that he usually has. At middleweight, it's a different story. He's a big dude, and I don't think Marvin's going to be able to hold him down. So, I see Israel winning that fight. Devast uh, he's going to win between the second and third round. Devastating knockout. I already see it. Davison Figueiredo and Brandon Moreno. People say that the last fight was really good. Great. Really awesome, bro. It was. It was awesome. I just don't see Davidson Figueredo losing. Now, let me tell you why. He's a big guy. Yes, the, the cut is really hard for him. So, if the cut is already hard for you, imagine doing it twice in a month. Like, his manager saying that leading up to that fight, he had to take him to the hospital, like, the week of the fight and all this stuff. And another thing is, if that low blow was not committed, Davison Figueredo wins the fight. Like, people are saying, oh, well, it was a draw. I'm like, no, Davison won that fight. It's a draw because he committed a foul. They had to take the point away, so that made it a draw. But that also tells you that he won that fight because if that point is not taken away, Davison Figueredo won the fight. And people are going to tell me, well, it was his decision. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. That I'm not arguing. I'm arguing the fact that people are saying, oh, well, it's a draw, so you don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, no, Davison Figueredo won that fight. You don't think he's going to be better? And I know Brandon's going to be better, but you don't think Davison is going to be better because he went through hell, probably having to cut weight within three weeks. That's already hard a hard cut for him. You don't think he's going to be better, ready to go in there and be the god of war? So I got Davidson Figueredo on that one. Now where my heart tears is on this one. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. Because I will always cheer for Nate Diaz. Now if you ask me, Adrian, who do you want to win the fight and who is going to win the fight? The answers are going to be two different answers. I'm going to say, who I want to win is Nate Diaz. Who's going to win? I believe Leon Edwards will win this fight. 
because he's going to employ a, sim a similar strategy to what Carlos Condon employed against Nate's brother, Nick Diaz. And what Nick... What Carlos would do is he would hit, he would engage Nick from the outside. Like he wouldn't full on engage him. Like he would pick his shots and move. Pick his shots and move. And that's what I feel Leon is gonna, he's gonna hit him, circle away, hit him, circle away. And like we're gonna see Nate walking around the octagon just pointing at him, talking smack. So I would go with Leon in this one. Now the X Factor is Nate's Jiu Jitsu, but. One thing I have noticed when Nate takes guys down and like they're in a ground scramble, he doesn't hold them there. Like he's trying to do damage and like get better positionings. So I feel like Leon's already the bigger guy. So once he gets up and out, it'll they'll just be going back to the stand up. So I don't know, man. Like it's five rounds. It's gonna be crazy, but. I don't know. I don't see Leon engaging too much. I just see him engaging where he has to. Now, if he goes in there and, like, tries to fight him, and, like, I'll change my tune, but I don't see Leon engaging him other than where he has to. Bilal Muhammad versus Damian Maya. If this fight's on the feet, I'll give it to Bilal. If it's on the ground, I'm going to give it to Maya. That's what I'm going to say with that. I don't really have skin in the game for this one. Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill. Again, if it stays standing, Jamal Hill. If they somehow end up on the ground, Paul Craig. I'm going to go with Jamal Hill. Just because of that open slap I saw him land on some dude in his last fight. I hope he's recovered from COVID because I heard he got it pretty bad himself. What's after that? We're, we're still in the future, guys. We're still in the future. Dan Ige versus Korean Zombie takes place on... When is it? June 19th. Korean Zombie will fight Dan Ige. Alexei Olenek will fight Sergei Spikov. Cheeto Vera fights Davy Grant. Tim Means is gonna fight Danny Roberts. What a good fight card. E the Danny Gay. Korean zombie fight. I don't know, bro. That's a good fight. I don't want to pick anybody. I like both guys. I really do like both guys. I think Danny Gay is gonna try and knock him out. Dan 50k Ige. It's going to be a war, bro. It's going to be a war. Tell me the last fight we saw with. Um, That was boring when it came to Korean Zombie. Tell me. You tell me. You can't because there's never been one. Alexei Olenek versus Sergei Spikovac. Spivak. I'm going to go with Alexei Olenek for the simple fact that I don't know who Sergei Spikvek is. Ezekiel Choke Baby. Marlon Vera versus Davey Grant. Yeah, another good one. I like both guys. I'm not going to pick a, a winner because I want them both to win. I know that it's not possible, but I want them both to win.
Yeah, that's a great fight right there. Okay. We're done going into the future for now. Now I can talk about Tony Ferguson. Before I get into Tony Ferguson, I want to say the Ultimate Fighter starts today. It's given us great fighters such as Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner, Diego Sanchez, Michael Bisbing, Hashad Evans. It's not Hashad, it's Rashad Evans. Matt Serra, without the Ultimate Fighter, we never get Matt Serra versus George St. Pierre. At least not right away. I can't say never because you never know if Sarah was going to move the ranks. Um, who else? Who, who, how can I forget? My boy Nathan Diaz gave, gave us Nathan. Who else did it give us? It gave us Hobbit Whitaker. Robert Whitaker. And probably the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter right now, the Nigerian Nightmare, a.k.a. Senor Usman, Kamaru Usman. It gave us Thug Rose. It gave us Carla Esparza. Watch the Ultimate Fighter. By the way, can I say... This. Why in the hell is Kamar Usman still not number one pound for pound? Like, what is it going to take? Tell me. John Jones hasn't fought since Dominic Reyes, which was February of 2020. I'll get into his situation later, but all signs are pointing to 2022, not 2021. So you're telling me it's possible we're going to go two years without seeing John Jones and yet he's still number one on pound per pound list? Like when is enough of that activity? Activity should be what it is. So from now on, Kamal Usman is the number one pound for pound person for the men. Don't give me that, bro. He hasn't fought anybody since Reyes. Oh! I said all those names on the list, and I'm only going to say that because I have it in my notes. It also gave us Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson, baby. I want to talk about Tony real fast. So we've all been wondering... What is it that happened to Tony Ferguson? Because he looks like a world beater in the Cerrone fight. He loses to Gaethje. He lost to Oliveira. And then he loses to Benil Dariush. So what is it exactly that happened? I will say this. I spoke to somebody in Tony's old camp. Not his old camp, but from his old corner. And I got the sense that there was already 
issues brewing for Tony prior to the Gaethje fight. I'm not going to say what this person told me or I'm not going to say their name. But I think there was things going on prior to the Gaethje fight that just he that didn't allow him to perform to his best. And you could see signs of it in the Cerrone fight. Like, after you listen to this, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to the media day of the Cerrone fight and look at how he acted with the reporters. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if Tony feels that he doesn't need to listen to anybody if he can do it all on his own. I don't. I hope that's not the case because Tony Ferguson is the man. I use his champ shit only mentality for a lot of things I do in the day-to-day life. I know he just had a baby. Congratulations to Tony Ferguson. But yeah, man, I hope to see Tony back to form sooner rather than later at least to see him get his hand raised because he deserves it. All the stuff that's happened to that guy, from getting hurt, losing his belt, and never getting to fight Habib after getting booked five times, I want to see that guy succeed. I really do want to see Tony Ferguson succeed. Because he deserves it, bro. Uh, For the simple fact that he deserves it. He deserves for... Even though having a baby is a good thing. He deserves something good to happen to him in the sport that he's in. Or in his career. Because a lot of people don't like to call this a sport. In his career, I feel. What's next for Jorge Masvidal? Bro, honestly, he's what, number seven? Give him Vicente Luque. Cause let's look at it. Let's look at it. Yeah, Jorge is number seven. Vicente is number five. Michael Chiesa hurt. Stephen Thompson fighting Gilbert. Leon Edwards fighting Diaz. Kobe Covington. I don't know what Kobe's doing. And the problem is that I don't know. I think Vicente is represented by Dominance MMA. I don't think he's represented by First Round. So yeah, they can make that fight. It'll be Sanford MMA versus American Top Team. Nah, before he goes on. I don't want to fight that guy because he doesn't have a name. I don't blame him. Because Vicente Luque is a, a freaking savage. He is a savage. If I'm Vicente Luque, I'm looking at the Gilbert Burns, Stephen Thompson fight. I'm looking at that fight because 
He should either fight the winner or the loser because the winner would probably fight for a title shot after Leon Edwards. If Leon beats Nate. Excuse me. If Nate somehow wins, I don't think Nate fights for the title because he doesn't care care about it. But then the problem is Colby. Like, that's enough where you could do Colby and Masvidal, but like at this point, Masvidal's so low in the rankings, it doesn't make sense. It makes more sense for Colby to get a title shot. I don't know, man. Everything's a mess right now, bro. Everything's a freaking mess. Because they get middleweight. Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa are number one and two. Paulo's going to fight Jerry Cannonier. Marvin's going to catapult over Whitaker for the title shot because Whitaker didn't want it. He wanted to spend time with his family. And now, now I kind of lost respect for Eugene Baramak, Baraman, because he said Robert didn't want the fight, so now he has to fight somebody else before he fights for the title. I go, hold on. We all see what's going on here with the pandemic and everything, and the way australia is is they have to go once they go back home they have to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel you don't think he wants to see his kids bro like come on so you you're not willing to give him a title shot even though he's beat like every top contender they gave him he was supposed to fight paulo costa paulo costa pulled out so you're telling me you want to see him fight the winner of Jerry Cannonier and Paulo Costa? Because, hold on. I'm getting too ahead of myself. Let's look at who Robert Whittaker... I'm doing this off the top of my head. Number two, Paulo Costa. He was supposed to fight him. They didn't fight. He's never fought Vittori. He beat Jerry Cannonier. He beat Derek Brunson. I don't believe him and Jack Hermanson have fought. He beat Darren Till. I believe he beat Uriah Hall. And he just beat Kevin Gastelum. I went all the way down to the number nine guy. And other than two, maybe three fighters, he hasn't fought. The rest of them he beat. Excluding Israel Adesanya, even though I didn't say Adesanya's name. So, like, what else do you want from him? I don't know. I kind of that that rubbed me the wrong way about Eugene, because he's usually like, "Oh yeah, Rob deserves it," but because he turned down the fight, like you know that because Israel's the champion, right? So you're saying because when my boy didn't want to fight you, you didn't fight. So now you you have to win one more to fight. But I'm looking at it in terms of well, with the everything going on and the way Australia is, I understand why he didn't want to fight right away. Cause he has to quarantine for two weeks and then hypothetically go go back into training. 
He hypothetically goes back into training right after his two weeks. He can't he can't see his kids or his family. Like, come on, bro. Paulo Costa is gonna fight Jared Cannonier in August, and Darren Till and J Derek Brunson will fight also in August. So going back to my original point, Jorge Masvidal should fight Vicente Luque or Colby Covington, or they should give Vicente Luque Colby Covington. I'll tell you one thing though, Vicente Luque really wanted to fight Nate Diaz, if Leon Edwards wins, he might get that shot, he might get it. Hamza Chimaev's return, oh, we're going to talk about Jorge a little more <laughs> right now. So Hamza Chimaev is number 15, right? Neil Magny wants that fight. Neil Magny, I believe, is number 8. Neil Magny wants this fight. But he says he doesn't believe Hamza's going to come back when they're saying he's going to come back. Which I understand where he's coming from because he had COVID, a really bad case of COVID. This is Hamza I'm talking about. So we honestly don't know. So I would want to see Hamza fight Neil Magny. And then how I said I was going to bring Jorge back into the conversation. If Hamza decimates Neil Magny. You make him fight Jorge. You build that fight. Like really build it. You put them on pay-per-view as headliners. Make Jorge go to Abu Dhabi in September because you need a star. Since Habib retired, you don't have a star from that market anymore. They're hoping it's going to be Islam. But Khabib had this swagger to him that I don't see Islam having. Where Hamza does have it. Hamza has it in multitudes more than what Habib had it. Like, Hamza loves to talk a lot of smack. Like, he even talked smack to Habib's cousin, Abu Baknar. He said, don't worry, I would I would rip you and Habib apart. Hamza said that to him, or something along those lines. That they asked Habib about it, some Russian reporters asked Habib about that comment. He's like, it wasn't necessary. Uh, he's like, he's only saying that as part of the sport. He's not saying that he would do it to us. Like actual human beings. But he's only saying that as part of the sport. But Khabib goes. I don't think that was necessary. Point being is. Because I had a conversation with somebody. They're like. Jorge Masvidal doesn't make it to another title. I'm like what? Yes he does. And then I gave them a path. It goes through Hamza. You pray. That Kobe Covington takes the title off of Usman. That should be the next title fight in that division. You destroy Hamza in your fight. And you go. I want to fight. The dude that sold his soul for likes on social media. The dude that sold his soul. That doesn't have any friends for some likes on social media. That book's Colby versus Masvidal. 
you sell the heck out of that fight. That fight can easily do over a million buys. Guarantee. Jorge Malvado versus Colby Covington can do over a million buys. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Two things. If you guys hear like the microphone pops up, I keep hitting it for some reason. I need to fix it. Hold on. I know what it is. And it's really hot, so I have my fan on. So if you guys hear that in the background, I do apologize. I just wasn't going to turn it off. It's really hot in here. So Hamza Chimaev, I want to see him fight Neil Magny so they can set up Jorge versus Chimaev. Rumor Chandler versus Gaethje fight. I have one word. Woo! I'm ready for that fight right there, baby. Please let that be true. I need that. I need this. I need that fight. What I don't appreciate is how Eddie Alvarez says Michael Chandler should stay away from Justin Gaethje. And then Chandler goes, if Eddie Alvarez could be Justin Gaethje, I'm pretty sure I could be Justin Gaethje. Like, why are you guys insulting each other that way, bro? Like, just let them be. Like, you guys aren't going to fight for a third time, at least not anytime soon. But I need this fight to happen, and I'm going to tell you why. Because these guys are going to go to war. And I understand where Eddie's coming from, that he should stay away from him. Because, like, he's saying if they fight like that, Justin's going to take him out. But I want to see what Justin does when a wrestler gets on top of him. Like, I want to see what he's going to do. Like, because Khabib's wrestling is different from the way Chandler would wrestle him. So, I want to see how that's going to happen. I like Chandler in that fight. Like, Chandler has said yes to everything. I don't get why all of a sudden people are shitting all over Chandler every five seconds. And I was one of them doing it for a while. But I was doing it because I wanted to see him fight and he wasn't accepting fights. And he was the new guy. I'm like, bro, who does this guy think he is? But he's played his cards right for only a second fight of the UFC. He got a title shot, and he was so close to winning. So close to winning. But he didn't get it. He did not get it. The situation with John Jones. So we all know he left the first round management, and then he went and he associated himself with Richard, I believe his name is Schaefer. For those who don't know, Richard Schaefer, he used to work with Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy. And that's when they were getting Canelo and they got all these crazy fighters. Richard Schaefer left to PBC without Heyman. He took a bunch of fighters with him. Canelo being the loyal guy he is, stays with Oscar De La Hoya. And then we all saw that they had a falling out. Canelo recently did an interview where he says, The brains behind Golden Boy was Richard Schaefer. He wanted me to go with him to PVC, but me being the loyal guy I am, I stayed with Oscar because I believe that's where I should have been because I said that's where I was going to be. He said something along those lines. 
He goes, but looking back at it now, I wish I would have. I don't know if he said I wish, but he's saying Richard Schaefer was the brains of Golden Boy. So would somebody of Canelo, when he says something like that, you know Richard Schaefer is for real. So if anybody's going to get Francis Ngannou versus John Jones done, it's going to be this guy Richard Schaefer. And he's even gotten on to the media and said, he's like, well, you know, I've been in this business a long time. Um, when it's hard to come to a deal, I've learned that it's probably not going to be a, de- a deal that everybody likes or maybe nobody will like it, but it's a deal that everybody's going to live with. He was basically saying we're going to meet someone in the middle. That's his goal to get Francis Ngannou versus John Jones done for 2022. Can I tell you something? I don't even care if Francis loses to Derek Lewis in, in the rumored fight. I'd rather see John Jones and, and Francis Ngannou fight either way. Belt or no belt. I just want to see the fight. So we'll see what happens there. Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez is an absolute legend. As I said earlier, the first winner of the Ultimate Fighter along with Forrest. One thing I want to say is... I do feel bad for Diego with what he's been through in the past few months because I don't know what it was like for him. He will say what he wants to say about his former manager, nutritionist, coach, all those things that this Joshua Fapia guy was to him. He'll say it on his own time. So when Diego comes out and says it, I will show support. Second of all, I don't know Joshua Pavia, but if the things they're saying about this guy is true, I don't know, man. I feel like fighters should just stay away from him. Like I believe he's been exposed enough that fighters will smarten up and stay away from him. Because I believe that he's only out for himself and not, not out for the fighters. And this these interviews he's recently done proves that Cause how could you go from calling Diego a brother to completely trashing him on this podcast you did? Hmm. Like I understand that I shouldn't side with certain people when doing this type of work, but like, come on, bro. Like I don't like Joshua Fabia at all, and I don't even know the guy. Like I dislike him so much that I hope the dude that runs Jesse on fire. I don't know if that's really his name. I believe his name's Jesse. And he has a YouTube channel called Jesse on Fire. I hope that guy really does fight Joshua Fabia. And I hope... Again, excuse what I'm about to say. I hope he fucks him up. Like, I honestly hope this Jesse guy fucks up Joshua Fabia. I will commentate on the fight. I promise. I will do it if they ask me to. Diego's an absolute legend. For this guy to drag Diego through the mud that way. For him to be saying the things he's been saying. The PFL 
have announced their second half of the season. Anthony Perez will fight on June 10th. Rory McDonald fights June 17th and Kayla Harrison will close out the season on June 25th. What a crazy fight, bro. What a crazy, crazy fight. Not a crazy fight, what crazy events. Uh, and then I believe in one of these June cards, Clarissa Shields um, is going to make her debut. I just don't remember where. Hold on, let me see if this is her. So yeah, let, let's see. June 3rd. June 3rd? No, no, no. That, that's not June 3rd, sorry. June 10th. Yes, yeah, so it's the Anthony Pettis card. PFL's doing something different, man. I can't wait to see where they're at in the next few years. If Chris Cyborg honestly goes over there just to fight Kayla Harrison, they've made it. They've made it. Let's get into some current events. This has become my favorite part of the show. Let's do the, oh, wait, 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 no, there was another story I wanted to see real fast. Let's see, let's see this one. Tyron Willie on Jake Paul fight. We're going to break some records and I'm going to break his mother effing jaw. Tyron Willie is gunning for a knockout and a pay-per-view record when he clashes with Jake Paul in a boxing match on August 28th. Surprise, surprise, we back at it August 28th, Woodley said during an Instagram live session on Tuesday. Damn, my boy looks, he's fired up. You would visualize Jake Paul getting his head knocked smooth off his neck. Sometimes you talk to yourself into a situation that you can't back yourself out of. My mom used to say, your mouth wrote a check that your ass can't catch. That's exactly what happened. All cloud chasing, all the yelling, all the blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm all, I'm a fighter. All the MMA guys never want to fight me. Now you got a mother effer that's going to fight. you like, you ain't never been fought before. Ain't no sparring you can do, mother effer, get ready for it. Ain't no mediation, 
Ain't no kumbaya. Ain't no mama, mama. <laughs> Ain't no mama, mama. See, mama, mama, sa, mama, mama, kosa. Ain't shit. You can do. <laughs> you get your ass beat. I'm pumped up about this. I swear that's what it says. I didn't mess up. That's what it says. The former UFC recently, the former UFC champion recently inked a, his contract for the highly anticipated fight as he seeks to end the undefeated run of YouTube star, which includes a vicious first round knockout against his teammate and friend Ben Askren. Ever since that fight ended, Willie has volunteered to face Paul, who's 3-0 as a pro boxer, with all wins by knockout following a conclusion of, the U- of his UFC contract earlier this year. Willie was free and clear to pursue other fights, and he'll cross over to boxing with the chance to face Paul in an event that will air on Showtime pay-per-view. Paul called out a number of UFC veter- veterans after his dispatch of Askren in April and Willie appeared to be at the top of the list of potential opponents. While his background is in in wrestling, Willie has established himself as a true knockout artist while competing in the UFC and Strikeforce. He famously won the UFC welterweight title with a vicious first round stoppage against former champion Robbie Lawler back in 2016. Now it's up to add Paul to his resume while reportedly cashing the biggest paycheck of his career. And then we're going to bring, according to Willie, he's always dreamed of stepping into the boxing ring, but after he was an All-American wrestler at the University of Missouri, a movement to MMA made more sense. Okay, here we go. I always wanted to box my whole life. Never did it, he said. I always wanted to box. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. It's crazy how things happen. I started doing MMA in 2005 because I was like, I'm too old to just box. I was 23 years old out of college. So I did MMA. I'm like, shit, I can't wrestle. I can I can wrestle and punch. Willie added that a location for the fight is still being determined, but he's already started putting together his training camp and getting ready for Paul in August. While he found his head coach, he said, there's been plenty of offers for assistance to prepare for the Paul, including one from the best, from the best boxers of the past 20 years. Obviously, Eric Brown, he's my boxing coach forever. Woodley said when revealing his plans for coaches and his training camp, he's going to be my chief second. He's going to be the number one guy in training. Got a lot of other people that have reached out to me. Andre Ward, my dog, reached out. I cannot miss the opportunity to work with him. It would be an honor and blessing to find some time to work with Andre Ward as well. After that, I'll know more today. More than anything, Willie seems motivated to silence Paul once and for all. The 24-year-old social influencer has quickly become the most polarizing figure in combat sports. The bout against Willie will, f- will serve as the first multi-fight deal that Paul signed with Showtime just recently. But if former UFC champion has anything to say about it, it also might be his last. Um, I was quiet, Willie said when addressing Paul. I let him do his little bling bling say whatever he wants to say. Like I said before, it was my dog Ben's chance to fight. It was m- not my fight. These dudes out here fitting, fitting to clout.
fitting the clout. He came into this shit for clout. His corner man out, out for clout. Everybody out for the clout. Now you're clout fitting to get hit in the mother effing mouth. Damn, so T-Wood really wants to hit him in the mouth. I'm going to tell you guys something. I saw the odds today for this fight. Can somebody please explain to me how Tyrone Willie is the underdog? Is it because he's lost his last fight? Do you guys remember who his last fights were? I'm going to remind you. Kamar Usman. Senor Usman. Gilbert Burns. He knocked. I don't, I don't remember if he knocked him down. He rocked Kamar Usman in their fight. After that, Kobe Covington. To this day, probably gave Usman his hardest fight. After that, the savage known as Vicente Luque. And I'm going to tell you something. That was the Tyrone Woodley of old. It's just that Vicente Luque is such a fucking killer. I sweared a lot in this episode. I'm sorry. I, I was fired up. He's such a killer. That he knocked him down and choked him out. So. Can you guys please tell me how Tyrone Willie is the underdog in this fight? First of all. Go bet the house on Tyrone Willie. I don't see Tyrone Willie getting stopped by Jake Paul. Ben Askren. I said the same thing. I know. But. Come on, bro. Like, you can't compare the two. T-Wood's got some striking on him, bro. Now, if T-Wood just stands there and doesn't let his hands go, that's different. But he doesn't got to worry about dudes trying to grab him. All he's got to do is go out there and punch. (laughs) From the sounds of this article, he's ready to hurt Jake Paul. I believe that fight's going to happen August 28th. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Let's do this one. Because I heard something interesting. Lloyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul fight card. Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul fight card is almost here. The exhibition boxing bout between Mayweather and Paul headlines a four-fight pay-per-view event next Sunday, June 6th from the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Mayweather 15-0 returns to the ring for the first time since his knockout win over Conor McGregor on August 26, 2017. Paul 0-1 lost his only profile against KSI via split decision on November 9th. While Mayweather will obviously have talent advantage, Paul will have a big edge in size. Mayweather was just short of 150 in his last outing, while Paul was close to 200 when he stepped into the ring as a pro. Another notable name on the card is former Cincinnati Bengals star wideout Chad Johnson. Johnson's making his boxing debut in an exhibition match against 
BKFC and MMA veteran Brian Maxwell to kick off the main card. Mr. Ocho Cinco, can I ask you a question? Are you now working for Bleacher Report? If you don't want to work there, call me up. I want to work there. I will work there. Why are you boxing? I don't understand. I hope he's getting paid a lot of money. I honestly hope Chad Ocho Cinco is getting paid a lot of money. Because you're going to the UFC press conferences... Jorge Masvidal doesn't even know that it's you asking the question. That's why he's saying, is it Chad Ochocinco right there? So, I don't understand why. I want to know why, because I don't want to see Ch I like Chad Ochocinco. I don't want to see him get punched in the face. Especially not against a dude that has done bare knuckle fighting before. Again, why, Mr. Ochocinco? Can you please answer me that question? Moving on to the next article. Should have never opened this article. I don't know why the fuck I opened it. Um, I'm gonna do two more. Here, let's do this one. Paige Van Zandt, Dan Lambert, set for commentary. Dudes at inaugural game bread full contact event. Jorge Masvidal. Before Paige Van Zemp makes her second bare knuckle fighting appearance, she'll be handling commentary duties for George Masvidal inaugural bare knuckle MMA event. Okay, so this is different than bare knuckle boxing because this is bare knuckle, but it's an MMA fight. So there's takedowns, there's elbows, just with no gloves. Promotional of promotional officials confirmed to MMA Fighting on Tuesday that Van Zandt will join American Top Team founder Dan Lambert in the broadcast booth for the first Game Bread FC event June 18th in Biloxi, Mississippi. The event will air on BK on the BKTV app. Do I have to pay for that? Can I watch that? As for now, Van Zandt and Lambert are the only names officially confirmed for the broadcast. In addition to official time MMA fighting, that former UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir will be on commentary duties for future Game Bread FC events alongside Van Zandt. Due to prior engagement, Mir's promotional broadcast debut will not take place on June 18th. In the promotions first event, former UFC and BKFC fighter Jason Knight will take on longtime MMA veteran Charles Felony Bennett, fellow UFC veteran Brock Weaver, is scheduled to compete in the co-main event. Although the promotion is seeking for an opponent, the former Dana White, cont Dana White contender series winner. And former LFA fighter Brandon Jenkins will no longer compete for undisclosed reasons. Sources told for undisclosed reasons. Dang. 
Dang, that's kind of so. They probably just told Dan, we can't get Frank. Can you do it for us? He probably just say yeah. yeah. But this is crazy, right? Because there's always been the question: Why? Why do we need gloves for an MMA fight? I don't get it. So the, this promotion can answer it. People always ask me, it's like, Adrian, do you think bare knuckle fighting can can get as popular as MMA? I'm like, the problem is they don't have stars. Like, if you see it, like, here's the prime example. Look at who the main event is. Former UFC and bare knuckle fighting champion, Jason Knight, will take on longtime MMA veteran Charles. I believe this is crazy horse, but for whatever reason, they put felony. Bennett, Charles Bennett's fucking crazy. Again, I'm sorry for swearing so much today, but I was fired up. Do you guys know that Charles Bennett, I believe he's like a featherweight. He tried to get into a fight with the axe murderer, Vanderlei Silva, at a backstage event in Pride. And like, Vanderlei Silva, at the time, was probably closer to 215 pounds. Nah, maybe not that. Let's say 200, mate. Let's say he was between 180 to 190. So let's round it up to 200. Charles Bennett's freaking crazy, bro. But again, going back to what I was originally saying, the problem with these bare knuckle events is they're using veterans from the sport of MMA. I understand it's because it's very new and stuff like that, but... It won't get big until they have their own stars that they can grow and people can get behind. Okay, last one. Habib Nurmagomedov gives his blessings to new lightweight champion Charles Oliveira. I think he deserves the belt. Habib Nurmagomedov is one of the greatest fighters of all time and widely considered to be the best lightweight ever. After a perfect 29-0 career, Habib announced his retirement from MMA and the cage walling title defense over Justin Gaethje at UFC 254. Citing the passing of his father and a promise he made to his mother as reasons for his exit. However, despite Nurmagomedov's insistence that he is done, the UFC spent several months trying to coax the eagle of Dagestan back for one final fight. Eventually, UFC President Dana White gave up on on this fruitless effort and last month, Charles Oliveira won the vacant lightweight title with a second round KO of Michael Chandler at UFC 262. Now the man who walked away from the belt in the first place has given the new champion his blessing. He deserves to be lightweight champion Habib told reporters following an event held by Habib's own Eagle FC promotion. What does he have eight wins in a row, and seven of those were finishes. Only the Ferguson fight went to the decision. I think he deserves the belt. So many finishes and UFC records, 
It's sad. It'd be sad. It'd be sad if Chandler won. If he became champion after two UFC fights, it wouldn't be right. Oliveira improved a lot, and he deserves to be champion. I'm really happy for him because when anyone reaches success, you have to respect that. I think he deserves to be champion. Oliveira is actually on a nine-fight win streak, with eight of those coming by way of stoppage. But that's really splitting hairs. In fact, the new champion has been on an incredible run the last few years and Oliveira's ascension to the UFC title after 28 fights, a record, has been one of the few good stories of 2021. However, Habib doesn't believe the Cinderella story is meant to last. Eesh. He went like, you're good, bro. You deserve it, but I don't think he'll be champion when Islam mocked Oh, no wonder. My boy Islam's gonna take you out. I don't think he'll be champion when Islam Makhachev rises to that level. Habib said when he asked if his project could beat Oliveira. It's important that Oliveira doesn't misinterpret my words. I respect him. I think when Islam goes up the rankings after a year, there will be another champion. I think it will be Dustin Poirier. Fuck. Why is he dismissing Connor? You don't think Connor can beat Charles Oliver? I have to d- disagree with Habib. As much as I believe Oliver can beat Poirier, and he can also beat Connor. And he's already counting as if Dustin already beat Connor the third time. We have to see what happens July 10th. Because I have been saying the winner of this July 10th fight. Whoever it is is going to fight Charles Oliver next. That, that's why they're doing Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. Because the only roadblock to that would be Justin Gaethje. Okay, let's continue. Habib has a long history of mutual respect with Poirier. Frequently calling him the best fighter he's ever faced. And the most deserving champion after himself. And Habib is not alone in that belief. Most fans, most fans felt Poirier deserved the first crack at the lightweight belt following Habib's retirement. However, Poirier opted for a lucrative trilogy belt with Conor McGregor instead. That does create an opportunity for Habib to return and reclaim the lightweight belt, the lightweight title, if the, if the crowning of a new champion somehow suddenly ignited the fire back in Habib to return to competition. But the former lightweight champion once again reaffirmed he has no interest in coming back for any reason. I think those questions will never end, Habib said. I think I'll be asked 10 years from now. Oh, there are fighters that fought at 42 in the UFC. Will you return? I think these questions will always be relevant, but I wouldn't wait for it. My comeback, you'll be waiting a long time. Habib said thanks but no thanks okay that's it for current events what else we got what am I doing on time I've been talking a lot today dang I have been talking a lot today sorry guys but I'm almost there Let's see what else we got. 
Okay, Mayweather versus Paul. We already talked about the fight card. I already said what I want to say about Chad Ochocinco. Um, for the Mayweather versus Paul fight itself, I believe it's two eight-minute rounds. No, eight two-minute rounds. Sorry, I said it backwards. What I think about the fight. I think. Floyd hits him in the body. In the liver he goes down. But I've been telling people. I'm like what if. Logan just catches him. And leaves him stiff. In the middle of the ring. One of my homies goes like bro. It's possible. Logan's younger. Floyd is what 44. Logan's been training. With real trainers. Because he has money to do it. I'm like, yeah, but Floyd has experience. You don't think that guy's been training? He goes, look how much younger Logan is. And then, because he plays soccer, he goes, I bet you I could beat up a, a retired soccer player. I'm like, bro, there's no way you ball up Schweinsteiger. So I believe Floyd Mayweather wins with the body shot. Or just being Floyd and just moving when he doesn't need to be there. And then just clipping him when he has to. Um, Fury versus Wilder trilogy. Bro, like, this made me sad. Like, I'm like, finally, we're going to have it. Finally, we're going to see an undisputed champion at heavyweight after... Because it was Klitschko for a while and then. Or was it Klitschko? I don't know. But finally, like, we're going to have, like, the lineal champion. Because I respect the lineal championship a lot. I understand that it's not a physical bell. It's just, like, he's the lineal champion. Like, it's a saying. But that's the. If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man title. And I believe. I believe. That if you retire, let's say three years, like they should put a rule if you don't, if you're not active within three years, we're gonna strip you of the lineal belt and we'll give it to someone else because that's not fair. But the, yeah, the, the point of the lineal belt is that it's not associated with anybody, like no sanctioning body. Like the only way to lose is if you lose a fight. So, the lineal championship would have been on the line. All the other belts would have been on the line. For the heavyweight division, we're going to get it in Saudi Arabia, August 14th. And, apparently there was an arbitration going on during the whole thing. And Deontay Wilder won the arbitration. So now, Deontay Wilder, and I believe the judge ordered, I believe the judge ordered that Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder had to take place no later than September 16th. So then this caused Eddie Hearn, who is Anthony Joshua's manager, to slam. You know what's interesting? He slammed top rank and Tyson Fury, but yet he doesn't slam Queensberry Promotions' Frank Warren, who's also Tyson Fury's promoter. He doesn't slam him. I wonder why. I think Eddie Hearn's a fair guy. He seems like a fair guy. I could be very wrong. 
is the problem here Bob Arum? I guarantee you I talked to people in the boxing community that probably told me yeah. I don't know. I know Dana White would tell me yeah because he says Bob Arum's a fucking dick. Again, I'm swearing. Why the fuck? Why am I swearing so much today? He says Bob Arum is a clown. And Bob Arum does say some really outrageous things. Like he said the other day that he's done losing money on Terrence Crawford or something along those lines. I can't remember. So is the problem top rank? Because remember, they were supposed to do Wilder versus Fury immediately right after, but then that's when top rank came in and offered Tyson Fury a ton of money. And he said, he's like, I can't say no to this. It's a lot of money. So Eddie Hearn and them believe that this was a ploy by top rank and Tyson Fury because the second fight didn't do too well between him and Wilder. So they were going to use this arbitration and like deny, deny, deny that it, oh, it'll happen. So like Anthony Joshua feels that he, they used his fight with Tyson Fury to promote Tyson Fury's fight with Wilder because they were never going to sign. So when the arbitrator ruled for Wilder, Eddie Hearn goes like, dude, that's why you can't do it in August, but let's get the paperwork together to do it in December. We'll have Anthony Joshua fight Alexander... Yusek, I think his name is. Because, see, the problem is that they want... That's the next fight, but... I don't know why Anthony Joshua doesn't want to fight that guy. He's contemplating vacating that belt. And I'm like, no, don't vacate the belt. Like, the belts are a part of the story. Usually when it comes to boxing, it's the competitors that we care about. But the reason this fight is so compelling, Joshua and Fury, is because they hold all the belts. If you let go of the belt, that's a piece of the story, in my opinion. This is my opinion. If you tell somebody else, they'll be like, I don't know if they're going to be like, nah, I just want to see Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury fight. That's cool too. But for me, I'm investing in the belts this time. I'm invested because I want to see an undisputed champion. Much like Canelo's trying to be at 178 pounds if he fights Caleb Plant. Like, I'm invested in these in this belt. So, please keep it, Anthony. So, going back to what I said. They feel that this was a ploy because they lost money. Because Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder were overpaid on the second fight. A lot of people feel. So, by their numbers, the fight didn't sell well. Because they did like 700,000 buys. But because Tyson and, and Wilder were paid so much money. I guess the consensus is the fight didn't sell well. So they used this arbitration and the announcement of Wilder and Fury to build up the trilogy fight with Wild I mean with Joshua and Fury. They used that announcement and the arbitration to build up the trilogy fight of Fury versus Wilder. And the reason Eddie Hearn believes this is because of what I said that he tried to do um, like he's like, well, why why haven't they come to me to do like the fight in December or something like that? 
And he go, he's like, when I asked Bob Arum, like, so what are you going to do? He's like, what do you mean? We're going to go fight Deontay Wilder. And then he says, it's also, it's also strange to me because right after that, they said they had Allegiant Stadium reserved for July 24th. So again, I pose the question, is the problem Tyson Fury or is the problem Bob Arum? I find it strange that they don't come out and trash Frank Warren from Queensberry Promotions. I'm just saying. Um, last piece of news. Earl Spence versus Manny Pacquiao. I believe they're fighting August 21st. Yes, August 21st. If Manny Pacquiao wins this fight, I'm considering him the GOAT. The dude at 42 years old is still trying to fight the best of the very best. He's not doing it. This is an actual fight. He's not doing exhibition matches. He's not doing any of that. It's a real fight. Pac-Man versus Spence. If Manny Pacquiao wins, I consider him the GOAT. I don't care that he lost to Mayweather. Lost to Marquez. I don't care about any of that. You're the GOAT. Man, if you beat Earl Spence, and then imagine he beats Earl Spence and he goes on to try to fight Bud Crawford. Eesh. Alright guys, that's all I got. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'll have this up very soon for you guys. Deuces.